Hello and welcome to Facing Race. I'm your host, Layla Schultz-Ames. Happy New Year. We're back from our winter hiatus and on today's episode, we're going to look at the inventions and highlight some famous inventors of color. Stay tuned. Okay, to kick off Black History Month, I thought it would be nice to talk about inventions and famous inventors of color, many who were never properly recognized. And this takes back decades, well, centuries even. Uh, It's a history that I think a lot of people don't really know about, particularly during the 1800s and early 1900s. The history of Black people's contributions to inventions, uh, particularly during the Industrial Revolution and in that time period, has been largely muted. Uh, This period is considered one of the most innovative eras in history, in world history, really. Uh, And that's when we really saw the birth of major advancements in architecture and transportation, agriculture, communication, electricity, a lot of things. And with the exception of a few notable inventors who are really usually highlighted during, well, this month, Black History Month, like George Washington Carver, who invented peanut butter, and Madam C.J. Walker, who did a lot for black hair products. The disregard of many of the era's black inventors not only whitewashes the historical record, but also sort of creates this idea that black people didn't really invent anything. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Institute actually released a report in 2020 that sort of highlighted the, this database of inventors, and it really focuses on black inventors in particular. And in looking at the numbers in different reports, it shows that black inventors actually contributed to the industrial revolution uh, basically at the same level as as white people in terms of how many uh, black people were actually alive and how many black people there were in the population of the United States. Still, there's a lot of disparities when you look at uh, United States and obviously the division in the North and the South. Uh, a lot of black people at the time lived in the South, but there were a lot of issues for, for those living in the South. So the report basically says that from 1870 to 1940, black people living in the North were eight times more likely to be awarded a patent than black people living in the South. In the North, black people's share of patents equaled their share of the population. So black people accounted for about 1.6% of the North's population and 1.6 of patents across across that time period. So this was a good thing, right? In fact, the rate of patenting per capita among Northern black and white residents were, was actually extremely high. So about 0.31 per thousand residents for black people and 0.39 for, for white people. Um, so this is great. Uh, however, the, the issue of at, at times, well, most of the time focused on blacks in the South, because the interesting thing is looking at the breakdown of the North versus the South and how that, that affected patents and inventions. During that period, black Americans were born and raised mostly in the South, where the institutional environment was radically different with respect to, to both race and invention. The share of African-Americans living in the South went from 90% in 1870 to about 75% in 1940. And meanwhile, only one quarter of white Americans lived in the South throughout that period. So there's this lopsided share of African-Americans living in the South, uh, but there's also lopsided uh, when looking at sort of the African-Americans and patents. So uh, most patents filed by white Americans came from North from the North as well, uh, and then more, most patents uh, filed from, by African-Americans um, 
were also from the North. However, as I mentioned, most uh, Black people lived in the South at the time, and many of them, though, were not able to get the the patent approval that they needed just due to a lot of uh, institutionalized racism uh, in the South. Uh, Interestingly enough, during during this period of the Industrial Revolution in the, the 1800s, uh, 50,000 um, total patents uh, actually happened in the United States. And Black people accounted for more inventions during that period than immigrants from every country except England and Germany. So uh, even though there are a lot of restrictions at that time, Black people still managed to, to make their mark. Well, interestingly, though, speaking of the patent system, um, before I started research for this episode, one of my coworkers, Andrew, shared a podcast with me about racism in the patent system and how many black people struggled to navigate the system. So that led me to do more research and investigation. The U.S. patent system has actually for a long time been regarded as one of the world's best, but it has been stubbornly difficult for black inventors to access. And researchers say that the underrepresentation means the U.S. is missing out on a lot of significant inventions and a lot of ideas just never actually make, make their way to the front. Black people and and other minority inventors have been left behind for many reasons, including too few resources, a lack of of access to capital, and a low-level awareness of the patent system in general. So there have been periods of history where the patent system wasn't even available to large pockets of the Black population, and obviously this is going to affect participation. Some of these effects still linger, um, according to a lot of people who have studied this issue in depth. Uh, Researchers do point to the Supreme Court's infamous 1857 Dred Scott ruling that Americans of African descent, whether free or enslaved, were not U.S. citizens. Obviously, this decision essentially precluded black people from patenting their, their inventions. Uh, Stavinia Johnson, who is an attorney and she's also an entrepreneur who serves as an associate vice president for innovation at Clemson, she uh, wrote a lot on this issue and she highlighted other contributing factors as well. Uh, Nowadays, there is a low number of black intellectual property attorneys. Uh, In fact, there are fewer than 2% uh, of of IP lawyers who are black. Um, That's according to to a data survey from the American Intellectual Property Law Association. And that may have a dampening effect on black people seeking intellectual property rights. She, She writes in one of her reports that if you're a person of color, particularly a black person, and you want to find a lawyer who is not going to think of you as intellectually inferior, who is not going to have some of those barriers and some of those implicit biases that may exist, it's still very hard. So I think that, yes, she definitely makes a good point on that. And I think the ramifications also go beyond individual inventors. Owning patents and and other intellectual property can help people earn money from their inventions. And it can also help businesses attract investment and and create jobs and, and all of that. Uh, right now, whites are over three times more likely to become inventors as, as blacks. That was a Harvard University study done in 2018. And the Information Technology and Innovation Fund found that African Americans, while we do make up about 13% of the population, comprise about 1% of inventors as of, as of the, the last few years. 
So there's still a lot of this this diversity gap in the the patent system. And again, a lot of it does have deep historical roots. Uh, Again, in 1857 with the the Dred Scott case, uh, essentially it was found that a slave's invention couldn't be patented. And at the time, applicants who wanted to patent anything, they were required to take an oath of citizenship. And Again, if you weren't a citizen, which uh, black people were not um, in 1857, you couldn't do it. The Confederate States allowed slave owners to patent the inventions of their slaves. Uh, the, the president of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, had unsuccessfully tried before to get a U.S. patent uh, on a propeller, a, propeller, a propeller Sorry, that was invented by a man, Benjamin Montgomery. Uh, he was actually uh, Jefferson's um, brother's slave. And uh, a lot of barriers obviously were in place. So Jefferson tried to sort of make it his invention. uh, And as you know, he considered obviously slaves at the time were property. And so anything that came from property would be the the slave owners um, basically item to to patent. So, uh, again, slaves are not allowed to patent, and although former barriers to the patent system were removed with the abolition of slavery and and the passage of the 14th Amendment, which uh, guarantees citizenship citizenship to anyone born in the U.S., studies show that black inventors continue to face a lot of legal obstacles. Lisa Cook, who is an economics professor at Michigan State, she linked the declines in African-American patent to race riots and a lot of violence, um, particularly the the Tulsa, Oklahoma um, 1921 incident where white racist mob killed hundreds of black residents. It was a very um, booming black business um, community. Uh, She also pointed out that segregation laws have have made it really hard for black people to patent their inventions, particularly in the the 1950s and and 1960s. So uh, even though obviously there are a lot of, again, barriers that have been removed, uh, there are still a lot of, of issues that continue. So in terms of inventions nowadays, I like to think things are better and that people of all races and ethnicities can be inventors. But unfortunately, there still are some issues and there are some racial gaps that uh, still exist. I think the racial divide persists persists for many reasons and, and they don't lend themselves to simple fixes. For starters, the cost of getting a patent, which can run into the thousands, uh, and and the lack of early exposure to the patent system definitely presents barriers to already marginalized communities. Another problem is a gap in those who leave college with degrees in patent-intensive fields like science or technology, engineering, math, basically STEM. And, and black STEM students are more likely to switch colleges uh, or switch majors than whites. Uh, that's according to, to researchers from the University of Texas. When we're looking at a lot of inventions, uh, we know that obviously people like Thomas Edison or Alexander Graham Bell are, are household names. But inventors like Percy Julian or Grenville Woods really aren't celebrated. Um, Woods developed the railroad telegraph, which is, is big. Uh, Julian figured out how to, to work with different hormones, in, including cortisone. Uh, Sarah Good, uh, who was thought to be one of the first black women to receive a patent in 1885 um, for inventing a folding bed um, that could be made into a desk, uh, 
a lot of people have never never heard of her. So uh, I think there's a lot of of sort of lack of exposure. Um, not only is it a lack of inventors of color, but it's also a lack of exposure. And on top of that, it also affects um, not just black people, but also women and uh, Latino inventors as well. Uh, the underrepresentation of black inventors, Latinos, Asians, women, etc., was actually acknowledged in a patent office report to Congress last fall. And the government has tried to take some steps, but obviously progress has been slow. House and Senate lawmakers in, in 2020 introduced the IDEA Act, which would require the Patent Office to collect demographic information, including gender and race, from patent applicants on a voluntary basis. The agency would also be required to make the data public. The bills were referred to their respective committees, uh, but unfortunately, as things often go, they have not seen any further action. So nothing is has become official. The idea behind this is obviously to give women and minorities kind of more opportunities. And along the lines of this this bill, there's also been talk of investing more money in programs that would encourage STEM in communities of color and also encouraging more uh, women to to get into STEM as well. In addition to that, there are currently organizations like Next Gen IP Foundation or New Voices Foundation, which does help women of color who are entrepreneurs, and it also encourages uh, working and mentoring uh, Black inventors. Uh, a lot of lawyers and, and IP professionals have talked about that as well, sort of this responsibility to help diverse inventors, and obviously, again, exposure, I think, is, is, a, big, is a big part of it. So looking at, at, speaking of exposure, uh, a lot of black inventors have not had a chance, as I, as I sort of talked about, to be highlighted in history. And we really haven't given them an opportunity. So I did just want to take part of this episode to sort of look at some really interesting and important black inventors. Uh, so starting with Sarah Boone, she invented the ironing board in 1892. And the ironing board is a product that's used possibly just as much as is overlooked. In the late 19th century, uh, it was really improved upon by Sarah Boone. She was an African-American woman who was born into slavery. And she, along with uh, a woman I mentioned previously, Sarah Good, they were one of the first, uh, they were the, actually probably the first black women in U.S. history to receive a patent. And Sarah Boone expanded upon this original ironing board idea, which was essentially a horizontal wooden block. And she, with her additions, her 1892 editions, the board featured more of a narrow curved design, and it made it a lot easier to iron garments, particularly women's. And her design would morph into sort of what we use now, the modern, modern ironing board that has a lot uh, sort of more guess you could say fancy fancy bits to it than just a, a piece of wood so we have we can thank her for that the home security system that was actually invented by a woman a black woman mary van Britten brown in 1966 
And before security systems became a fixture in homes, uh, Mary Van Britten Brown, she was a, a black nurse, she came up with this early security unit for her own house. She spent many nights at home in Queens when her husband was away, and she started to feel really unsafe. There was a lot of uh, crime in her area. And on top of that, a lot of times police officers were just unreliable and unresponsive. So she created a device that would sort of help put her mind at ease. In, in 1966, Brown invented a system that used a camera that could slide into and look through four peepholes in her front door. The camera's view would then appear on a monitor in her home so she could survey any potentially unwanted guests. She added other features to the system, including a microphone to speak to anyone at the door, a button to unlock the door, a button to con- contact the police. She and, and her husband actually took out a patent for the system in the same year, and they were awarded the patent about three years later in, in 1969. And home security systems commonly used today took various elements from her original design. Another one is uh, the three-light traffic signal that was invented by a man named Garrett Morgan in 1923. And he only had an elementary school education. Uh, he was a son of, an, an, of two slaves. But Garrett Morgan actually came up with several significant inventions, including a sewing machine and a gas mask. And one of his most influential inventions was the improved traffic light. Morgan was one of the first uh, to come up with this idea, the three light system, uh, and it really resulted in this widespread adoption of the traffic light that we sort of just take for granted today. So thanks to the success of his other inventions, Morgan bought a car and, and he was driving and one day he witnessed an accident at an intersection in his city of Cleveland, Ohio. In response, he decided to expand on the current traffic light by adding a yield component, warning oncoming drivers of an impending stop. He took out the patent for the creation in 1923, and it was granted to him the following year. Another really great story is the carbon light bulb uh, that was invented by Louis Latimer in 1881. Um, the light bulb itself was perfected by Thomas Edison, as we know, but the innovation used to create a longer lasting light bulb with a carbon filament actually came from the African-American inventor Louis Littemer, and he was the son of slaves as well. He began working in a patent law firm after serving in the military for the Union during the Civil War, and he was recognized for his talent uh, drafting patents, and he was eventually promoted to sort of this head draftsman position, and he started uh, doing a lot of co-inventions. Uh, he actually did some work to improve bathrooms for um, railroad trains, so that's always a, always a good thing. Um, obviously, there are way more inventors. I could spend a lot of time talking about uh, famous or, well, not so famous inventors of color because they, they don't always get the, the attention. But I just wanted to highlight some really important ones. And I think these accomplishments kind of negate the assumption that uh, some people held in America that black people could not uh, really come up with inventions or they couldn't come up with creative things. So I think that Today, you know, national leaders, and I think a lot of us should apply these these historical lessons to today's landscape and and continue to work to eliminate barriers uh, so to make sure that, that all people, whether it's women, people of color, etc., can fully participate in, in these opportunities that America has to offer.
Okay, so it's time for Ask a Black Friend. And this isn't really a question that anyone has asked me, but it's been on the news as of late. So we heard that Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is going to be retiring. And Joe Biden has publicly pledged to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. So my question is, is it racist then that Biden said he would appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court? Well, the short answer, I think, is no. My longer answer is no, not at all. But let me explain. So ever since Biden said that he would nominate a black woman, conservative politicians and activists and intellectuals certainly didn't really try to hide their disdain. Uh, The announcement was offensive. Um, That's what Texas Senator Ted Cruz said. And it's just proof that the president doesn't care about 94% of Americans. So I, I think he's trying to say anyone who is not a black woman. I guess that's where he got the figure. And it's not even clear who the candidate is, but Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker already knows that he's not going to support what he calls an affirmative action beneficiary. And then, of course, you know, Tucker Carlson always has to say something. So he got on his show and he talked about Biden's racism and and this and that. So everybody had something to say and everyone's crying about, you know, this exclusionary criteria of race and sex and all that. Well, I guess though, it's kind of apparently it's, I don't know, apparently it's a problem only when it results in the selection of somebody who's not a white man, I guess. I mean, let's think about it though. 115 people have been appointed to the court in its 232 year existence, right? And of those 115 people, seven have not been white men. Seven. So it's not like, I don't know, women or black people or black women are taking over the Supreme Court. It's not as if Biden said he's going to get rid of all the existing Supreme Court justices and just put a bunch of black people in it. No, it's not like that at all. But there is something else on display here. A black woman replacing Justice Breyer wouldn't change the court's arithmetic, obviously, right? It's going to still be the same. But, you know, conservatives still feel threatened by Biden's announcement because they understand that it kind of symbolizes this recognition that having white men dominate these powerful institutions of American life is actually maybe a problem. And that rectifying this imbalance is actually probably a necessary thing. So they reject the notion that the country's institutions should reflect the composition of the people of the United States. And, of course, they know that representation matters. That, well, a black woman getting a position like this is is really acknowledgement of, of past injustice, right? But, of course, a lot of these right-wing people... They're sort of reacting to to all of this. But I mean, the reality of this is, if if we're being honest, is that, well, due to political, cultural and, and demographic changes, the country has indeed become less white. It's become less white, less conservative, less Christian, you name it. And the balance of political power doesn't yet reflect that. I mean, the U.S. system is still, you know, dominated by, by white men, but there are definitely shifts and changes that are happening. And I think a lot of conservatives are starting to feel nervous that maybe their vision for American society is actually slowly slipping away. Okay, well, to end this episode, I wanted to leave all of you with a quote from Madame C.J. Walker, who, as I mentioned, was a great African-American inventor. She said, quote, don't sit and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them.
end quote. So I think that's really inspirational, whether it's inventions or whatever it is that you want to do. Don't wait around for something to happen. Get up and, and, and find your opportunity. So that's all for now. Thank you for tuning in and I'll see you next time.